Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Amen. All the time. And all the time. Let's try that one more time. <laughs> God is good. And all the time, God is good. Yes, he is very, very good. He is so good. Um, so excited for you guys' baby. Oh, my goodness. Such, such a blessing and such a testimony of God's faithfulness. Um, yeah, God is so good. So um, the message that the Lord um, has for this morning is, is a fun one. And um, it's something that was confirmed yesterday during uh, our intercessory prayer time. It was just awesome. Tina just prayed for me, and I just about fell sideways <laughs> with the power of God. But, um, but it was, the Lord says, woohoo over you. <laughs> so I am saying over you all. The Lord says, woohoo over you all. That's what he says over you, because he is excited about you. And, um, and that's what the Lord has for this morning. So Jesus, I just thank you so much, God, for who you are, Lord. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for miracles, Lord. We thank you, Father, for, uh, for bringing babies where there were no babies, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for bringing healing where healing is needed. We thank you for all the testimonies that we've gotten to see, Father, and I thank you that you are just getting started. And we just love you so much, Lord. We welcome your presence. Lord, we ask for your anointing on everything that takes place, Lord Jesus, that you would just meet people right where they're at, and that above all things, they would encounter you and grow closer to you. And we just thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So the message this morning is about stewarding excitement. Stewarding excitement. Okay, so when we think about the kingdom, you know, something that we're called to do, the the main thing that we're called to do is to pray that the kingdom of heaven would come to earth. Okay, so if we're praying for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth, then we should probably understand what the kingdom is like. We should probably know, like, what does the kingdom feel like? What does it look like? Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is three things that we know from scripture. It says the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Three things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what does the kingdom look like? What does it feel like? Number one, it feels like we have been made righteous before a holy God. Amen? Righteousness is what it feels like. It's not this guilt-centered, condemnation-filled life. It is a life of we have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? What does that feel like to you? It should feel like a weight lifted off of you. It should feel like a weight lifted off of you because Jesus paid too high a price for us to still carry a burden and a weight that we were never meant to carry. Okay, so number one, it should feel like righteousness. Number two, it should feel like peace. What does peace feel like? (sighs) Peace. Even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of a battle, even in the midst of just uncertainty, we don't know what's happening. What does peace feel like? It feels like being anchored. It feels like things are going to come out okay because I am safe in his presence. So number one, it feels like righteousness, weights lifted off of us. Number two, it feels like peace. It feels like no matter what happens, we are anchored to something so solid that we know that we'll be able to 
you know, withstand any storm is because we're walking in peace. And number three, what should the kingdom feel like? Joy. Joy. It should feel like joy. Joy looks like something. Joy feels like something. Joy is fun. Joy is exciting. And it is one third of the kingdom. Okay? That, in, in his presence is fullness of joy. Okay, that's what the scripture says. In his presence, the fullness of joy. So if we are never experiencing joy and fun and laughter and excitement and all those things, then we might not be in the presence of God as much as we think we are. Amen? Seriousness is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Seriousness is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And joy is a mighty, mighty weapon of warfare. Mighty, mighty weapon of warfare. Laughter is a mighty weapon of warfare. Something that we do often when, when my daughter comes home from school or when my kids are going through something, and you, know, you just see sometimes they're just having a hard time or they feel weighed down by something. We go in and we're just like, okay, what lie are you believing? What lie are you believing right now? And then when they just kind of ask Holy Spirit and we get down, what is the lie that they're believing? Well, maybe it's like, nobody at school likes me. What is our weapon that we pull out? Laughter. We just say, ha, 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 that is such a lie. It's such a lie. We can laugh at the lies of the enemy, and it's so powerful. We get to war by dancing in the spirit. We get to war by being joyful in the face of every lie the enemy tries to bring to us. Okay? So the kingdom feels like righteousness, peace, and joy. So in everything that we do, in any way that we minister, in anything that we're leading, in any business that we're running or job that we go to, if we're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, it's going to feel like those three things, okay? And the thing is, is that we need to be those three things, okay? You cannot strive for them. As hard as you may try to strive to be peaceful, it just doesn't work. Amen? The only way that we can truly be peaceful is to come into his presence, to gain that intimacy with Holy Spirit, and then peace is just a fruit of that intimacy. Okay? So this is a message for leaders. You are all leaders. You are all leaders. You're all leading somebody, even if you are leading yourself. That is the most important person to lead. Every parent in here is leading your children. Leaders are the most excited ones. Leaders should be the most excited ones. Leaders should be the ones most filled with hope. The ones most filled with hope are going to be the strongest, most powerful leaders because it's infectious, okay? So something that the Lord has put on my heart is that if we're not excited about something, then no one else is going to be excited about it either. Right? I'm not saying amen. (laughs) You just get to guess when I'm looking for an amen. Okay? If we're not excited about it, then no one else is going to be either. Okay? So one of the most important things that we need to do as leaders is steward our excitement level. We need to steward our excitement, steward our level of hope. Okay? And there's some things that the Lord um, just kind of showed me to go through. Now, here's the problem, is that oftentimes when we feel that we're not excited about something, we start to beat ourselves up. And just say, oh, I'm just being such a brat right now. Or, oh, I should be more excited about that. Okay, let's go do this thing. Okay, yes, I signed up for that thing or whatever. And we start to beat ourselves up because we're not excited when it's actually more simple than that. That level of excitement, it should just be an indicator light for a few things that we might need to take a look at because we are supposed to be excited about the things of God. Okay? 
Um, I love this quote by Chris Vallotton. A leader's job is to get people pregnant. I can say that because I'm a girl and it doesn't sound weird. <laughs> Chris Vallotton says, a leader's job is to get people pregnant. Okay? Our job is to impregnate people with hope. Impregnate people with excitement. Impregnate people with the kingdom. So that they're so pregnant with joy, so pregnant with peace, so pregnant with righteousness that it overflows and it spreads. Okay? There is a movement that is coming. There is a movement that is coming where God is restoring the apostolic. He is restoring that kingdom of heaven coming to earth in so many different areas, not just in churches, but in businesses, apostolic businesses that are going to be spreading. And it has to look like something. We have to carry the kingdom. And it's going to be exciting and so full of joy. But we need to steward that excitement. Okay? So when you're not excited about something, okay, whether it's something in your business, whether it's an event coming up, whether it's, you know, this aspect of your life or something in the church or whatever it is, okay, the last thing you want to do is freak out or think, oh, I'm burnt out. Oh, no. You know, oh, I got a muscle through. I'm going to force myself to go. That's something that we tend to do. We just kind of beat ourselves up and then we force ourselves to do something and we just tell ourselves, well, we just need an attitude adjustment or whatever. But that very thing is what will cause us to dread it the next time. Does that make sense? So you cannot beat yourself up into excitement, okay? We don't have to settle for burnout. People are too quick to jump into feeling that they just need an attitude adjustment. And then when they can't, they beat themselves even more, and it just perpetuates that cycle, okay? So when you find yourself not excited about something, or maybe not as excited as you feel like you should be, number one, if you're taking notes, is do I have vision? Do I have vision? Number one, that is the most important thing. Don't ever do anything without having vision for it. And that vision is going to come from God. Okay, we get to co-labor in that vision. It's going to be right along the lines of like our deepest desires, the things that he's wired us for and placed inside of us. It's going to bring us so much joy. But the vision comes from him. Okay, Proverbs 29, 18 says, when there is no vision, the people cast off restraints. Okay, so we're going to cast off restraint if we don't have vision. It's a very simple thing. We don't have to beat ourselves up. It's just like, God, what is the vision here? Okay, we need to ask ourselves, did God call me to do this? Or is this something that I just put on myself? Is this a burden that I put on myself? Something I thought I was expected to do? Okay, um, we need to have vision. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. For me, in, in this church, I don't ever want to do something that Jesus isn't calling me to do. It's just like there is no point in striving after things and putting pressure and stuff like that. Doing everything in his presence is so much easier and so much more fun. And it's like, why do it any other way? (laughs) Why do anything if it's not going to be filled with his presence, if he hasn't given us grace to do it? Okay? Um, We need to know what our why is. An obligation, tradition, or man's expectation is not a good reason. Okay? Um, saving money, for example, if you don't have vision for where that money is going, then it's going to be really hard to save that money. Okay. If you're working two jobs, three jobs, and you don't have vision for why you're working two or three jobs, if you don't have something from the Lord, a word from the Lord about where that money is going, you're going to get unexcited really quick. 
Okay, but if you have vision from the Lord of like, hey, I'm getting out of debt and we're going to be done in you know, this time frame or whatever, and then God's going to add his supernatural to it, there's excitement in that. There's purpose every day that you wake up. There's purpose every time you go into that job. Even when you're physically tired, you will be excited in your spirit because you are pregnant with vision. Amen? Okay? Don't wait for provision to have vision. Don't wait and say, man, if, if I ever won the, li- the lottery, that's when I'll come up with a bunch of ideas of what I would do with money. That's when I'm, I'll finally start to dream once I win the lottery. <laughs> that's just not how the kingdom works. The way the kingdom works is that you get pregnant with a vision, and once you're pregnant with vision, the Lord brings the provision. Okay? Pro means for. It's for the vision. So dream with God. It's actually really fun. It's really exciting to just go before the Lord and just say, God, you know, this thing that I feel like you're calling me to do, I'm just going to dream with you. This is going to be a perfect world and everything's perfect. What does this thing look like? What does this thing feel like? What do I feel like in this dream, in this vision, in this thing that you're calling me to do? And start to dream with the Lord. Okay, And then as you dream with the Lord, it's going to be so fun. And you start to think, it's going to feel like this. And these are the types of things that I'm going to be doing. And this is what it's going to look like in my life. And this is going to be the fruit and stuff. And as you start to dream with the Lord, then you can start to ask the Lord, what of these things can I start to do now? What can I do right now that will head me in the direction of the vision that you have? And then that provision, I'm just going to trust you to bring that provision. Okay? Dream with God. It's so fun. Follow the voice. He is always right. <laughs> Follow, I've learned it the hard way. Learn from my mistakes. Follow the voice. He's always right. We see in uh, 1 Chronicles 14 um, that David inquired of the Lord because the Philistines were coming against um, David and his army. And he says, Lord, should we go up against the Philistines? And the Lord says, yes, you shall go up against the Philistines. He does, and they're successful. And then in the next chapter, (laughs) the Philistines attack again. And what does David do? He goes and inquires of the Lord. He doesn't sit back in the pride of his big success like, wow, we're amazing. You know, he says, no, the Lord is the one that told me to go up and to go against the Philistines and we won the war. So you know what? I'm not going to just do the same thing. I'm going to go back to my source and I'm going to find out what is the vision for this, this. It looks the same, but what is your plan? And the Lord says the second time, do not go up. I want you to go around in a circle behind them. And then once again, they won the victory. Okay. So as important as the actual victories as important as the actual decisions that we need to make is that we're learning to follow his voice, that we're learning to seek him as our source. Amen? Because he's always right. He's always right and he's always for us. Being trained to follow his voice is important as the success is. Um, Our church vision is to awaken and empower God's church to impact our culture Connecting people to God's love, grace, and to their true identity in Christ. To awaken and empower God's church, okay? Um, This is a vision that came um, from a dream that I had many years ago before we ever had any inkling of ever 
even thinking about pastoring a church. I'm like, how more, you know, can I put the fact that we never had a plan to start a church, okay? But in this dream, Jesus took a turn at something, and it was almost like a game, like he was rolling a ball. I saw Jesus take a turn at something, and then this big man on a platform um, took a turn at something, and then nobody was going. And I was like, I'm kind of like, I I like to like see action happening. And so like there was nothing happening. And I'm like, okay, is it Jesus's turn again? Like what's like, no action is happening right now. And the Lord said to me, he said, do you know why no one is going? And I said, no, I don't. Well, you know, is is Jesus going to take another turn? And he said, it's because it's the church's turn. Okay. So this is the beginning of the vision that the Lord had for the calling on our lives is that Jesus took a turn, bringing the kingdom, doing the amazing things, equipping and empowering and that kind of thing. And then there was this season of really anointed men and women of God who were on the platform and carried this big anointing and this big gifting and showed people how it was done, that this is still happening today. But now this next season that the Lord is calling us to is the best, most powerful, most exciting season because the church, it's their turn, it's our turn, it's you guys' turn to rise up and the big anointings are passed out and the mantles are passed out to you all. And you guys all get to walk in power. You guys all get to walk in signs and wonders and miracles in the marketplace and everywhere you go. It is your turn. Amen. It's your turn. It's exciting. It's such an exciting, exciting time. And so that is the heart of what we're called to do in this church is to awaken people to that and to equip and empower them to start to walk in all those things. And it has to be grounded that they know their identity in Christ, that they know that God is good, that they know that he already paid the price and that they're not, you know, just worthless sinners, (laughs) you know, that they have been made holy and made righteous. And then once they're walking in that identity, it's just going to flow out of them. So everything that we do in this church, we always have to come back and say, Lord, is this the vision that you've called us to? Okay. So I have to tell you a story, and I'm going to tell on ourselves a little bit. But um, we had, uh, back in October, we had our fall family festival. Okay. And this is something that we've done. We started out as a backyard bash our first couple years. And so we just had it in, in a backyard and had a party and stuff like that. And it was super fun. And then um, we had one out in this parking lot out here and we had like 300 people show up. It was amazing. It was like, it was, um, just really encouraging, like a church our size, to be able to serve 300 people. And um, year after year, we tried different things as far as like, we did like kind of street evangelism kind of thing. We'd like preach the gospel from, uh, from the microphone. We did dream interpretation one year and invited people to come and uh, get their dream interpreted and stuff like that. And um, this, this current year, we were coming closer and closer to October. And every time I would think about Family Fall Festival, I was like, I was like, I just don't even want to think about it. I was not excited, like not excited at all. And I'm just like, well, you know, this is what we got to do. And I've just got a stinky attitude and I just need to, you know, whatever. And so we prayed about it because that's a a prayer that that we pray quite frequently is like, Lord, we don't want to spin our wheels. We don't ever want to do something that you're not calling us to do. But it just wasn't, it wasn't feeling clear to me, like, what was supposed to happen this year. But for whatever reason, I was just unexcited about Fall Family Festival this year. And so um, the event got closer and closer, and we're making announcements, and we're like, yep, we're going to have big to-do in the parking lot and lots of tons of people from the community and stuff. And then the Lord gave someone in the congregation a dream. 
And, um, and it, was, it was amazing. And they, they came forth and they, uh, they said, okay, here's the dream that the Lord gave me. Basically, what the dream indicated is that when we have the 300 people come to the parking lot, um, they kind of bring their own culture with them. So we're actually not influencing culture in that moment because there's 300 of them and there's like, you know, 30 plus of us, maybe 50 plus of us that are working the event and we're all stressed out and we're tired and we're trying really hard to make everyone have a great time. And guess what? We're not experiencing the kingdom. We're not peaceful. We're not joyful. We're like, oh, stressed. And like, where's the kids? And make sure everyone's safe. And, you know, like, watch my kid. I don't want to lose my kid. Right? So we're actually not able to bring the kingdom like that. We're actually not able to influence culture like that. And the dream was indicating, man, like, you got to come on a Sunday. Come on a Sunday, experience the culture, experience the presence of God, and then you're going to see what Awakened Life Church is about. And so I was like, thank you, Jesus, for vision. So it was like, okay, they need to come on a Sunday. So we're going to have church on Sunday, and we're going to have a barbecue after, but we're not going to try to make it this big to-do. It's just like, just invite your friends. We're not going to put out a big Facebook blast. In church growth, it is actually really counterintuitive, isn't it? Like you would kind of think like, wow, if we could get 300 people here, then that might be amazing for church growth. But we're like, no, we're actually not going to invite everybody. We're just going to just trust the Lord that like people are going to invite their sphere of influence. And then the people that come are going to enter into the presence of God and they're going to experience us at rest. They're going to experience us being joyful and being full of peace. And that's what happened, and it was so wonderful. I enjoyed that event more than I ever have. And what's amazing is that the Lord really blessed it. Like, there was some amazing ministry that, that went forth that day, and, um, and people really got to be blessed by the Lord. So all that to say is that when you follow the voice of the Lord, He is always right. He is always right. Amen? He's always right. The only sacrifice that we may have to make in following his voice is our pride. Because then we had to go before the congregation and be like, actually, here's what we're going to do. Okay? Because we're going to follow the voice of the Lord, and even though you know, it's three weeks beforehand, this is actually where we're going to go. Okay? So there's, there may be a sacrifice of pride, but following his voice is always going to be the thing that pays off. Amen? So I declare to you that God is impregnating you with vision. Vision for your life. Maybe vision for things that you haven't even seen yet. Vision for things that maybe you hadn't even dared to dream about yet. But he's impregnating you with vision. And that is the most important step to being excited about anything, is that you have vision for it. Okay? So number one question you want to ask yourself is, do I have vision? Number two, is this the season for this? Okay? Is this the right season? What is my season? Is an important question to ask when it comes to excitement. Okay, God's timing really, really matters because whatever God calls us to in any given moment, he is pouring out multitudes of grace for you to accomplish the thing that he's calling you to. Okay, so it's really important that we understand that we got to follow God's grace and what he's gracing us to do and in what timing and to recognize when a season changes. Okay, to not get stuck into like, well, this is just this is just what I do every every time. But it's like, well, maybe your season has changed. And you don't have to beat yourself up over the fact that a season changed. You know, when I had a baby, there were many things in my life that had to change or be on hold for a minute. And it's because, well, I, ha I have a baby. 
Okay, we used to have a home Bible study at our at our home, and I loved it. I, that's like my favorite thing. Like I I can't wait for the day that we get to go back to doing that. There's something about being in homes that like people just open up, and I just I love when people feel at home in my home, and they can just open the fridge and grab what they need, and we'd make pancakes and. We'd be up to like 11 o'clock at night just making pancakes and stuff. It was super, super fun, and there was just such a closeness about it, and we got to experience the power of God and just prophesy over one another. It was beautiful. But then I had a baby, and I'm like, I do not have grace in this season to keep my house clean to a level that I can have people over on a weekly basis. And so as much as I loved that and as much as like I, you know, I felt the grace for that in a past season, I prayed and I asked the Lord, and the Lord is just like, you don't have to do that. And so I just released it to the Lord. I didn't beat myself up over it. It's okay. This is just not the season for that. And so we opened up our lovely living room that's over on the other side, our other suite over here. And uh, we've been having our Wednesday night services or Bible studies there. And it still has that homey, cozy feel. But it is now in the grace for what we can do in this season. Does that make sense? Okay. So recognize your season. Everything that we minister out of has to be out of the overflow of what God is doing in our lives. It's always going to be out of overflow, okay? So, like, the, even the messages that I preach, the things that I speak in a Bible study or whatever, it's the stuff that God is giving to me. Like, as I'm seeking him and he's showing me things and encouraging me, out of that overflow is what you guys get. And it's easy. It's so easy when we operate out of overflow, okay? So I want to announce to you... The death of striving. Striving is dead, okay? As of over 2,000 years ago on the cross, striving is dead. Trying to push to make things happen in our own strength. Trying to push to make things happen and feeling the weight of responsibility all the time. Striving is dead, okay? So we have this little video that we're going to show to you guys to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. And uh, we're going to play it with no sound. And uh, Is it queued up? Here we go. So now picture... That truck is your calling, and you are in the back of the truck trying to get your calling unstuck from the mud. <laughs> is, that, is that really working? Is that really doing anything? Look at them pushing so hard from inside the truck. Keep pushing. Push harder. Push harder. Okay, let's bring more people. Let's get more people involved in this. Here we go. Pushing your calling from inside the truck. Let's see. Until is is anyone going to say, "Hey, this is probably not going to work." <laughs> Okay, and push, push, look at that, look at that, trying to get your calling unstuck from the mud, okay, that is a picture of what striving looks like to God, (laughs) they're pushing, is that doing anything to get that truck up out of that mud? Is it doing anything at all? No. All they had to do was just get in the truck. <laughs> they could get in the truck and they could just sit down. And this, what was happening is that like, the, their weight was creating more traction, which is how they got up out of the mud. But they did not have to push at all. 
Amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? (laughs) We can get in our calling and we can push as hard as we can and it does not matter. We don't need to strive and push for the things of God. He makes it happen by his spirit, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Amen? And then what happens is like when I, because I strive like that. Oh man, I, I can strive like that. When I strive like that, I get grumpy. I get grumpy real fast because I'm like, ah, no one's pushing with me. I'm pushing all by myself. This is so hard. God, why did you make this so hard for me? And I'm like, I give up. I'm just not going to push anymore. And he's like, good, stop pushing. Okay. Because it's just going to happen by my spirit. Amen. 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 Striving does not do anything. This is what we look like when we strive. Amen. It's all by his spirit. So what is my season is the question to ask. Okay. Um, For me in particular, and I feel like for many people in the body of Christ right now, this is a season of transformation. Um, it's, It's a season of transformation. God is doing a deep work in people's foundations, like deep, deep healing and in foundational stuff from like when they were kids and stuff like that, rebuilding foundations and building the foundations so that they're strong on uh, the footing of Jesus, okay? And what's happening is that during that foundational shift and seasons and stuff like that, a lot of other things are shifting in their life, but God is making things right and on the foundation of Jesus because he's getting ready to pour out new wine. And it's like you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. So God is redoing foundations for people. But in that season of transformation, it can be very, um, it can be a faith walk. Because you are redoing mindsets that you've had from childhood. You are going in and healing pain and the ways that you've interacted with the world. And as you start changing and as you start interacting differently with your world, then the world around you also begins to manifest those changes on the outside. And it can be a faith walk, especially with relationships around you. Okay? So I recognize that is the season that I'm in. That is the season that many people around me are in right now. And so that means that I have to know that that is the current season. And there's things that I'm about to be doing in this next season that I'm super excited about. But in this season, this is about me being uh, pregnant with purpose and getting in the presence of God and not so much trying to jump ahead of what God is doing. Amen? And so understanding that season means that I don't want to get frustrated with the season that I'm in because I'm so ready to jump into that next season. It's like, no, God, I need you to make everything on the proper foundation so that I can actually carry what you're about to pour out on me. Okay? The Lord uh, spoke to me just a few few months back. He says um, that uh, you are struggling with unworthiness is what he told me. He said, you, uh, I'm about to promote you to a level that you don't feel worthy of. And you need to take a look at that. And it was like very serious, like, yes, sir. Like, <laughs> I need to take a look at that. And this is not a, you just need to feel better. It's like, in order for you to carry what I'm going to place on you, you can't struggle with unworthiness of carrying it. And so that's something foundational that the Lord is doing in my life and in many people around me as well. So knowing what your season is can really help you to distinguish what grace you have for, for what in that season. And again, to not beat yourself up. Okay? So I declare to you that the Lord is showing you what your season is. Even just close your eyes right now. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you just meet people even right now? And would you just show them what is the season that they're in right now? Just begin to speak to hearts today. 
Maybe show them an area that they're struggling in and just show them, what is the season? What are you speaking to them about that season? And we just thank you for it. Yeah, the Lord is just breaking shame off right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, there's no shame in being in a different season that we were in before. So we just break off every hold of shame. We break off every hold of fear right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and I just, I just speak and I just release grace, grace, grace. Grace for the season, God. I thank you that you have abounding grace for everything that you've called us to in every season of our lives, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. So in stewarding excitement, number one question to ask is, do I have vision? Do I have a vision from the Lord? Number two is, what is the season that I'm in? Is this the season for this thing? Is this why I'm not excited about it? Okay, number three thing, am I believing a lie? Number three, am I believing a lie? Do I think that I can't be successful at this? Because nobody wants to do something that they don't think they can do or that they don't think that they can do well. So this is when we get in the prayer closet and we say, Holy Spirit, is there a lie that I'm believing in this area? This dream, this vision, this thing that you're calling me to do, if I have vision from you and this is my season for it, Lord, am I believing a lie? Okay? That lie may be unworthiness. That lie might be feeling unqualified for something. Okay? But beating ourselves up is exhausting. And it will rob us real quick of any excitement that we have, okay? So you want to get in the prayer closet and say, what, God, what do you think about this? What do you think about me in this situation, okay? What do you think about this situation? Is there inner healing that is needed in this area? Is there something maybe I've struggled with since childhood that I've always processed things a certain way, and it's time to take a look at that now because I'm not feeling excitement for what God has called me to do, Okay? Um, especially as leaders, we need to have passion for personal growth and passion for inner healing. We, we will always have an invitation to greater and greater healing because as we encounter more and more healing, we're actually able to encounter more and more of his love and to allow more of his presence into more places of our heart. And we just, this is just like a lifelong process of getting closer and closer and closer to him. Okay. Inner healing is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, my husband and I go after inner healing very regularly, <laughs> very regularly. Um, there's a ministry in particular that we feel um, is really, really helpful. It's not the only way to skin a cat, um, but uh, there's a ministry called Sozo, S-O-Z-O, and um, it is a wonderful, wonderful ministry to go in, and basically what it does is it just uproots lies that you've believed, and then you just get to encounter the presence of God in those things. But um, I, I do recommend that, um, or at least to pray and see what the Lord would have for you, okay? Um, leaders, have a passion for personal growth because you can only truly impart what you have. You can only recreate who you are. No matter how good you preach, no matter how good you teach, if you are not walking it out, if this is not inside of you, you are not going to be able to impart it to anybody else. That goes with us and our children, as well, as much as I, you know, can tell my daughter all day long, honey, you don't have to be perfect. You know, perfectionism, you got to let that stuff go. If I'm constantly in front of her trying to make everything perfect all the time, that's what she's going to pick up. Okay? 
oh my. <laughs> because we can tell our kids all day long and it's like we know what to say, we know what we should do. But um, again, it's not about changing outward behavior, it's about who I am on the inside. What is happening internally for me? What is the authority that I carry that I can now impart to somebody else? Okay? So Lord, am I believing a lie? Our emotions are always going to follow what we're believing, what we're truly believing, not what we mentally ascend to, but our feelings are going to follow. What am I actually believing here? Okay? So another story I have is when um, I first started leading worship, I hated it. I hated every moment of it. I shook in my boots, and I would be so nervous that my fingers would shake. And it didn't make any sense to me because, like, I had been a singer for a long time, like, secular world, you know, like, I got my degree in music and stuff. And then for some reason, I would go to lead worship, and I just was miserable. Like, I would dread every second leading up to Sunday morning. <laughs> I would be like, ugh, stressing over the set list. Did I pick the right songs? Maybe it's the wrong song. What did I do? Oh, my gosh, you know. And then I would get through the, the worship set. I felt like I wasn't making any impact. I felt like I was horrible. I felt like I was just, like, like showing off or whatever. Like, there were so many lies. So many lies were going on in my head. Um, and I felt like there were other people way more qualified than me, that I wasn't doing a good job, and that I couldn't do a good job. These were all the things I was believing. And then as soon as the worship time was over, I would be like, oh, oh, that's over. Okay, I can rest now, you know. And it would last for like maybe a day, maybe two days. And then the dread would start up again and again and again. And it's like, no matter what I did, I was just like so miserable. And after, it was probably a good couple years of that. And I finally went to the Lord and I was like, Lord, okay, so they haven't found me out yet. They haven't fired me yet. <laughs> you know, it's been two years and I'm still up here leading worship. I'm like, Lord, you really need to make this enjoyable for me or I am not going to be able to keep doing this. Like, this is not sustainable for me to beat myself up like this all the time. And the Lord started me on this process of just uncovering lie after lie after lie, okay? And then hearing testimonies of people coming and just saying, I encountered Jesus the second you lifted your voice, you know, or I felt like I was taken up to heaven and stuff like that. And then more and more as I got more inner healing between me and the Lord and didn't feel like he was disappointed in me or angry with me, rather than batting things off like that and saying, oh, you're just being nice, you're just being nice, I started to receive that. And say, wow, no, this is actually something God has called me to. And this is something that I can walk in and be joyful in. It was definitely a process. But I remember when I started showing up for worship and I was like, something's missing. Like, I feel like, like I'm, I'm used to just like, I feel bad because I don't feel bad. <laughs> it's like I'm used to like this partner called like condemnation and shame that they're like hanging out with me every time I lead worship. But now it's just me and I'm having fun. Is this okay? You know, but that is absolutely okay in the kingdom because the kingdom is righteousness means weight taken off. Peace, walking in peace, anchored in Jesus, in his peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Anything that we're doing with God, I don't say for God because we shouldn't do things for God. We do them with God are going to involve these three things because that's the kingdom. Okay. So am I believing a lie? And then when the Lord shows you the lies that you're believing, start to declare truth. 
declare truth. Declarations are so powerful. Declarations are so, so powerful. And again, we talk very often about holding tensions between things. I can go and pendulum swing this way and do all declarations and all trying to build my faith and not take a look at inner healing and some of the things I need to get healed from childhood. Or I can go all inner healing and get absorbed and wrapped up in myself and then not try to build my faith in declarations. Okay, so we want to walk that tension with Holy Spirit and say, Lord, what is it that I need at any given moment? And his voice is always right. Amen? But declarations are very, very powerful. Very powerful. Especially when the declarations are from his mouth. (laughs) Amen? His word, his mouth. Okay? Um, Another thing you can do to steward the excitement over your life is review testimonies over and over and over and over. I don't care if they're the same ones. I don't care if you've heard the same testimony and you've, you've told it eight times or 80 times or whatever. Review the testimonies. Review what God has done in your life because it will build your faith. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So contained in the power of a testimony is the power for God to do it again for you or to do it again in someone else's life. It builds your faith to review testimonies. Okay? We had a, an awakened night's night, and the Lord told me, you know, I just want you to, to talk about all the testimonies. And it's just like, it doesn't matter, like, if we've all heard them before. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're going to tell the same, same ones that you always tell. We're going to talk about testimonies. And so we did. And after two hours of just sharing testimonies, even ones that we had forgotten, I felt like I could knock a wall down with my faith. I was like, let's, let's get out of here and go heal some people. <laughs> it really does build your faith. It builds your excitement. There's something supernatural that takes place when you release those testimonies. It builds up your faith level and your excitement. Okay? So if you, if you are not feeling excited, number one, do you have vision? Number two, is this the season? Number three, am I believing a lie? Okay? Number four, Is it time to raise up other leaders? Okay, I'm talking to a room full of leaders. And there comes a time in many different organizations and many different businesses, whatever you want to call it, ministries. um, There comes a time when the leader will start to feel overwhelmed and start to feel, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is amazing. Growth is happening, but I'm feeling worn out. That's when it's time to ask, is it time to raise up other leaders? and to share with a team what is happening. And it can be so powerful because at some point, like kingdom culture is always a culture of growth. There is always going to be growth and increase in a kingdom culture. Okay, But as that growth happens, the only thing that can sustain that growth is now going to be a team. Amen? At some point in every powerful leader's life, they are going to have to start leading leaders. Okay? So... Is there something that you're just not gifted in that you can release to someone else? Now, this is, we've already gone past that, am I believing a lie? Okay, so this is not a, I think I'm not good at something that I really am. No, we're over here now. It's like, okay, I'm not believing any lies anymore, but maybe there's something I'm just not gifted in. Is there someone around me in the community that God has has put around me that has that gifting? Okay, because part of being a powerful leader is getting yourself surrounded with people that make you look like a genius. Amen? Okay? Build a team. Delegate to someone else. Get people around you. Okay? Impregnate them with vision. Get people pregnant. Okay? 
If we're constantly going after personal growth and stewarding our excitement, we are going to manifest that all around us, okay? We have to raise up others and impart to them because otherwise our growth is going to be stunted by what we can handle. And at some point, that's going to become unsustainable, okay? Moms, is it time to raise up your kids to do more around the house? Give them responsibilities, amen? People step up when they take ownership of something. The thought, it's easier to just do it myself, is actually very limiting, and it's not sustainable in a kingdom growth culture. We always have to be looking to, okay, who can I now start to impart to? Who can I raise up that can, you know, basically, how can I recreate myself? Amen? Kingdom is a culture of empowerment. We see in Luke 9 that Jesus sends out the 12, the the disciples, and they go out and they're healing and they're casting out demons and they're feeling super powerful and it's so exciting and they're seeing the miracles happen and then they get back and then um, something takes place in a city and they're like, Jesus, do you want us to light them up? We'll burn that city to the ground in the fire of God. It's like, they whoa, all of a sudden they're like, they rose up in pride and it's like they don't even get what Jesus is preaching and why he's even come and what season it is, okay? So Jesus is like, uh, no, he rebukes them and he's like, no, actually we're here to bring restoration, to bring reconciliation. We're not here to burn whole cities down. And then what do we see in the very next chapter? Then he appoints 72 and he sends out 72, Now, you would think most leaders would be like, okay, time out. This isn't working. Hang on. Like, these knuckleheads don't even have it. Okay, let's let's go back. Let's regroup 12, and let's go over this again. This is about love. This is about grace, right? But no, he doesn't. He just rebukes them. He teaches them, and then he still sends out 72 more. So kingdom is a culture of empowerment, empowering people. That is very much the vision of this church, empowering you all to be powerful and amazing. I'm so excited for the days that we hear more testimonies happening by your hands outside of these walls than anything that happens within them. And that day is coming. (laughs) Amen? Amen. God's good. Great leaders are not just found, they are built up. Get people pregnant with your vision. Yeah. So, yeah, even close your eyes again. I just declare right now that Jesus is showing you people around you that maybe you haven't thought of. Maybe it's even your kids. Maybe there's like a level of frustration or something that you're experiencing, and it's like something doesn't feel sustainable. But the Lord is showing you people that you can pour into, people that um, maybe they have the beginning of the vision or whatever, and that you're going to start to pour out to them, and you're going to start to raise them up and train them up. Yeah, so we just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for all the apostolic anointings that are in this place, God, for the apostolic businesses and for the influence that's, um, that's going to span beyond this city even. And we just thank you so much for it, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would show um, the right people, that you'd bring them at the perfect right time. And we just thank you so much for it, God. In Jesus' name. Okay, so number one, do I have vision? Number two, Is this the right season? Number three, am I believing a lie? Number four, do I need to raise up other leaders right now? And then number five, because five is the number of grace. Number five, the last one, is do I need to set boundaries and take care of myself? Do I need to set boundaries and take care of myself? Because we are spirit, we are soul, and we are also body. Okay? 
So do I have, number one, do I have time blocked out for me to actually spend time in the presence of God? There is a physical aspect to that. Yes, we should be abiding in his presence at all times, but to have time set aside to really be able to encounter his presence, to really engage with his presence is the, the most important thing. Okay, so number one is do we have that carved out like logistically in our schedule? Okay, Um, do I just need rest? Maybe I'm not excited because my body is tired. Okay, do I need rest? Do I have the mental capacity that's needed for this? Do I need to set some boundaries in my life? Have I taken on too much? That the things that God is calling me to do, it feels like it's too much because I've said yes to 10 other things that he's not calling me to do. And so that's when we ask, Lord, what are the energy suckers in my life? What are the time suckers in my life that I just need to lay down or that I can delegate to somebody else? Okay? Um, God is restoring creativity in his people um, in this season. Um, Creativity, um, yeah, just being poured out like in in the arts and and just all different types of creativity in writing um, and not necessarily all... um, the way we think it would be, just like in church setting type thing, like creativity in general that's going to bring people into positions and places of influence. Um, It's going to be really powerful and really awesome. But there is an aspect to creativity where we do have to block out time to be creative. Um, That's something that that I have done in my schedule uh, fairly recently is that I know that God has called me to write books. I know that God has called me to write songs, but if I don't have that built in my schedule, it's just not going to happen. If I'm just waiting for God to just knock me over with a song one day <laughs> as I'm walking around busy, you know, it's just not going to happen so much. And so I've, I've carved out time, and you wouldn't believe how hard I have to guard that time and how many things want to come in and take up that time. But it's like, no, this, this is something that God has called me to do, and even if I just sit in his presence and nothing comes to me during that time, it doesn't matter uh, because I've set aside time um, to be creative because that's something that he's called me to do. And so is it something where we need to set boundaries in our life in order to walk in the things that he's calling us to that would create that excitement? Okay? Do I need fun? Do I need to just have fun? Am I just too serious? There's something to having fun that actually makes us more productive when we come back into work again, okay? Do I need to have time with friends, okay? Do I need to have time with community? That's something that we talk about a lot here as well. So, so important to have those things because we will be that much more productive in the things that God's calling us to. We'll have that much more excitement, okay? So let's see if we can follow me. So the five things, number one, do I have vision, Number two, is this my season? Number three, am I believing a lie about this? Number four, do I need to raise up other leaders? And then number five is, do I need to set boundaries and take care of myself? Okay? After you have checked those five things with Holy Spirit, now, if it's like, now do I just need an attitude adjustment? (laughs) Do I just need to say like, okay, fine, I'll go and I'll do this thing. And then when I go, I'm just going to feel so excited and so grateful that I went because sometimes that stuff happens. But more than likely, one of those five things was actually the culprit and why we weren't excited about something. And we do need to steward that excitement because that's what the kingdom is like. We have to enter the kingdom like a little child. Amen. 
I think of my son, Ethan, and, you know, we were watching a movie last night, and he, he gets these, like, bursts of excitement. It's like he can't handle it. It's like his whole body just, like, wiggles all of a sudden. It's, like, it's so cute, but he just, like, he has to, like, we'll be watching a movie, and, like, a superhero is flying through the sky. He has to jump up off the couch, and he's like, <laughs> because he's so excited, and that's what it's like to be a child, and that's what it's like to enter into the kingdom, and that's what's infectious And if we're not excited about something, then we're not going to be able to impart that to someone else. Amen? Amen. So I just want to prophesy to you. This is something that the Lord uh, spoke to me actually a couple weeks ago. I want to prophesy to you that you are about to have the most wonderful, most peaceful, most restful, most Holy Spirit-filled Christmas season that you have ever had in your life. That us learning about God's grace and learning about how much he's for us, how much he loves us, how he pours out favor upon us, that you are going to experience the most wonderful Christmas that you've ever had, so full of love that you're going to let go of the things and the pressures that you've put on yourself, and that you are going to be able to enter into his presence, maybe even for the first time, to really experience his presence and his love during this Christmas season. I prophesy that to you, um, that you're going to have a wonderful Christmas season, that it's going to show on your face, that it's going to show in your families, it's going to reflect in your homes, in Jesus' name. He's giving you the grace to smile on the future, that there will not be an ounce of dread, there will not be an ounce of foreboding over any event that happens in this season, over any family encounter that happens, that God is giving you the grace to smile on the future to smile on the future. He's stopping the shame monster. He's stopping the fretting and the anxiety in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you are so good, that you are so awesome. God, I pray every day, Lord, that you would make that more and more real in our hearts, Lord, how good you really are, how for us you really are. We just thank you so much, Lord, for your love poured out on the cross, God. I thank you for everything that you've accomplished for us, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Even in the night seasons, God, would you just release more and more dreams and visions from your heart that would impregnate us with the purposes that you have, Lord Jesus, that you would impregnate us with your love, with your grace, Father. I declare that worthiness is uh, something that you give and every lie of unworthiness worthiness is coming down today in Jesus name. And we just thank you so much for it, God. We thank you for your presence in our lives. And we just give you all the glory in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen.